Mother's Day. We're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 8 through 26. We've been doing a study of Elisha and uh, found this story that fits for Mother's Day. How not that apropos, huh? How God can do that. But uh, we're going to pick up at verse 8, and uh, I want to share these verses with you and then uh, proceed on into the message. Now there came a day when Elisha passed over to Shunem, where there was a prominent woman, and she persuaded him to eat food. And so it was, as often as he passed by, he turned in there to eat food. She said to her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is a holy man of God passing by us continually. Please let us make a little walled up uh, upper chamber and let us set a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. And it shall be when he comes to us that he can turn in there. One day he came there and turned into the upper chamber and rested. And then he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call the Shumanite. And when he had called her, she stood before him, and he said to him, uh, Say now to her, Behold, you have been careful for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Would you be spoken for to the king uh, or to the captain of the army? And she answered, I live among my own people. So she said, What then is this done for her? to be done for her. And Gehazi answered, Truly she has no son and husband, and her husband is old. He said, Call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway. And then he said, As At this season next year, you will embrace a son. And she said, Oh no, my Lord, O oh, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. Verse 17, The woman conceived and bore a son at that season the next year, as Elisha had said to her, and when the child was grown, the day came that he went out to his father to the reapers. He said to his father, My head, my head. And he said to his servant, Carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her lap until noon and then died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door behind him and went out. Then she called her husband and said, Please send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys, that I may run to the man of God and return. He said, Why will you go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, It will be well. Then she saddled a donkey and said to the uh, to her servant, Drive and go forward. Uh, do not slow down uh, the pace for me unless I tell you. So she went and came to the man of God to Mount Carmel. And when the man of God saw her at a distance, he said to Gehazi, his servant, Behold, there is the Shumanite. Please run now to meet her and say to her three things. Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? And is it well with the child? Let's pray together. Lord, open our hearts to receive your word today. Thank you. Thank you for your word of God that we can read and learn. Would you help us today in our unbelief? Would you help us today in our un, uh, in our misunderstandings? And would you help us today apply what we learn? In Jesus' name, we, we pray. Amen. Uh, for a few weeks, I asked you to write on your connection card uh, responses as to um, your mom. A godly mother is. 
And here's some of the responses. A godly mother is a praying mother. A godly mother is long-suffering. One who exemplifies a godly life. One who shows by example. One who teaches young women in the church. One who puts her family first. Puts others first. A blessing to her children. She's friendly, loving, and a caring person. And then the last one was she continually forgives. That's a mom. Moms learn, know, they know how to do that. But in our story, oftentimes we need to ask these three questions. Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? And is it well with your child? Because he knew, Elisha knew, with her coming to him in the way that she did, that there was something wrong. I ran across a quote that I want to share with you. It goes like this. A small child waits with impatience the arrival home of a parent. She wishes to relate some sandbox experience. She is excited to share the thrill that she has known that day. The time comes, the parent arrives, beaten down by the stresses of the workplace. The parent often replies, Not now, honey, I'm busy. Go watch television. The most often spoken words in the American household today are the words, Go watch television. If not now, when? Later. But later never comes for many, for many, and the parent fails to communicate at the very earliest of ages. We give her designer clothes and computer toys, but we do not give her what she wants the most, which is our time. Now she's 15 and has a glassy look in her eyes. Honey, do we need to sit down and talk? Too late. Love has passed by. The writer of that quote was Bob Keeshan, better known to many of you as Captain Kangaroo. I think Bob Keeshan was on to something. There are many things in our life that cause stress. None worse than when our children are in a position where they're misbehaving or not living up to the way that we have taught them to live and had prayed and hoped they would live. And moms especially agonize over this. But I think the worst stressful time for any parent, especially a mom, is when there's a tragic death of a child. Those are the hardest funerals to preach for a preacher. Because there are no words you can say. There just simply aren't. The mother who held the baby can't hold the baby anymore. I've done my share of funerals for babies, and they never get easy. And the older I get, the harder they get. Elisha knew that something wasn't right when the Shumanite woman traveled so far to see him. And so on this Mother's Day, I want us to address these three questions and see how relevant they are then. They were then, but they are even today. Elisha was a fearless prophet of the Lord. Spent much of his time wandering the land and proclaiming the word of God. 
And one place that he would often go would be Shunem. It was a small village located in the center of the country, so it, it afforded him kind of a hub place to go through quite often. And this woman met him and invited him to dinner, and she grew fond of him. In fact, she asked her husband to build a room upstairs so that he could then use that room on a regular basis. Now, I don't know about you, but if my wife comes in and says, Hey, honey, we need to build a room for this guy that's going to come come and go, and he's going to plop down in there, we just don't know when. I'm not sure that I'm ready to build that room. <laughs> but uh, the Shumanite woman wanted the room built. Her husband built it like any smart man would do. And uh, Elisha appreciated their hospitality and took full advantage of it. The Bible says that as a year passed, Elisha told her that she was going to have a boy. And the boy was born and everyone seemed happy. Everything seemed right. But you know, sometimes life doesn't always go the way we plan it. So one day the young boy is out in the field with his father and he suffers what appears to be a heat stroke. And he's taken home to the mother. And there in her lap he dies. You can almost anticipate the words to Elisha. Her words to Elisha. I told you. I told you so. told you not to Bring me a son. So let's look at that first question. Is it well with you? Mothers, let me ask you, is it well with you? The enormous task that's been placed upon you and the expectations, is it well with you, moms? I've said it often, and let me say it again. So go the mothers in a society, so goes the society. Mothers are who make things happen if you didn't have mothers and women in church there wouldn't be much church going on it's good to see men in church but we need we need and we need more men in church but I'm telling you the mothers and the women are key factors that help churches to grow if the woman of the line gives in to the temptation and lets the morals and the character slip, it's not long until the rest of the land would go with her. William Ross Wallace made this very famous quote, The hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. Kingdoms are not built by men upon the throne, but by the mother from the crib. Children will live out the life they see reflected in their mother's eyes. They'll live out the life they feel given in the touch of the mother's hand, and they will live out the life they hear described in the words from the mother's lips. This woman in Second Kings, she was a well-to-do woman, obviously had a nurturing spirit. Uh, you can see in the way that she treated Elisha. She respected her husband, sought his advice and help on projects around the home, and she was faithful to her husband despite their lack of children. She obviously would make a good mother, but she had no children. So I ask you, what is required of a woman to make her a good mother? 
Well, there's a panel of experts that were uh, convened to answer that question. The experts all had one thing in common. They were kindergartners. Even though they were the words of six-year-olds, these answers are really profound, so let me give them to you. They were asked, my mom is best at feeding the dog, making my bed, driving, cleaning, running, riding a two-wheeler, watering the garden. Next question, if I had enough money, I'd buy her flowers, a car, necklace, a brand new fan, a kitten, a diamond ring. I'd buy her a big pack of bubble gum. It makes me feel good inside when mom says, I love you. Good job. Dinner time. You look handsome. I'll buy you something. My name is as pretty as a butterfly, a ballerina, a mouse, a princess, my brothers. My mom's as pretty as a goose, a gold horn. I like this one, a clean horse. One of the most memorable comments from the children about Father's Day was Daddy gets tired out from chasing Mommy. <laughs> There's one word in that list that stands out to me as one of the glaring issues of our time. The child who said it makes them feel good inside when Mom says dinner time. Yeah, I think this kid's on to something. I, I recently saw statistics that showed that a family that eats together at least three times a week, and that can include McDonald's or any other fast food place, it doesn't always have to be at home, but the family that does eat together has a 45% greater chance that their children will not use drugs. If you just eat together, take the cell phones and put them in a basket, and set the basket to the side so you have to talk to each other. Wouldn't that be great? It'd be fun. You might learn some things. The key here is that when we, we need to feel secure and we need to feel a part of a family where there's acceptance. And by eating together often, at least three days, three times a week, it's going to make a huge difference in that as well. Moms, there's no manuals to come with how to be a good parent. But it does seem that, to make common sense, that we need to get back to some basics like listening and being there for one another. Mothers, is it well with you? Emma Bombeck gave a description for mothers. Here it is. Wanted. Willing to raise, educate, and entertain child for a minimum of 20 years. Be prepared to eat egg if the yolk breaks. Receive anything in hand. Child spits up. And take knots out of wet shoestrings with your teeth. Must be expert in making costume for, uh, 
costumes for bad tooth in the dental play and picking bathroom locks with a shish kebab skewers. Hours, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, including holidays. Comprehensive dental plan, vacation, medical benefits, and company car, negotiable. <laughs> you know, moms, that the hours are endless. Talents that you must have are many, and the patient's endless financial pay is terrible. Terrible. Is it well with you? Second question, is it well with your husband? Is your husband living up to his family responsibilities? The father is the head of the family and must answer one day for his attentiveness to that responsibility. God will ask him and God will hold him accountable. And if he's been a lackluster dad leader of the family there's a price to pay now I want you to notice something in this story in verse 18 it says the child grew and one day went out to his father who was with the reapers my head my head the boy said to the father the father said to the servant carry him to to his mother now what I want to know is why would the father say to the servant carry the son to his mother why didn't the dad take the child and run to the mom Something wrong with that dad, isn't there? You know, kids probably suffered from a heat stroke, and dad's showing so it seems like a lack of concern when he says, tells the servant to take the child and run and take it to its mother. I can hear so many boys crying out and so many girls calling out for their dads. Dad, my head, my head, father, my heart, my heart, dad, my soul, my soul, and what do fathers do? They just keep right on working. Well, yeah, we just got to work, man. We just got to make the money. We just don't have enough money to make it. Sometimes you just got to stop. Stop and hear them. There's a true story about a young man who was to be sentenced to the penitentiary. The judge had known him from childhood. He was well acquainted with his father. He was a famous legal scholar and the author of an exhaustive study entitled The Law of Trusts. The judge asked the young man, Do you remember your father? Well, I remember him well, Your Honor, came the reply. And then trying to probe the offender's conscience, the judge said, Are you about to be sentenced? As you are about to be sentenced, and as you think of your wonderful dad, what do you remember most clearly about him? Well, the boy paused. Then the judge received the answer that he wasn't expecting. He said, I remember when I went to him for advice, he looked up at me from the book he was writing and said, Run along, boy. I'm busy. When I went to him for a companionship, he turned me away saying, Run along, son. This book must be finished. Your Honor, you remember him as a great lawyer. I remember him as a lost friend. The magistrate muttered to himself, Ah, finished the book, but lost the boy. So I ask you, is it well with you, moms? Is it well with your husband? And then lastly, I want to ask you, is it well with your child? You can't help but notice the devotion of the mother. She was not about to let this little boy die without a fight. She'd, uh, he had died in her arms and she refused to let him go. 
I know moms who are just like that. Children need to be protected, and this it becomes ingrained in you as a mom. What do they say? <clears throat> well, you can pick on other kids, but don't you start picking on mine. That mama bear will come out. Mama bears are no fun. You ever had to deal with a mama bear? Let me see your hands. When I helped coach a little league baseball team one time, I got to meet a lot of mama bears. I determined right then and there that coaching wasn't for me. Because, brother, they know everything. If you don't believe them, just ask them. And especially about their kid who can't play ball worth a lick. That kid couldn't hit a tee ball off the tee. But that mother thinks that he's as good as Mickey Mantle or Willie Mays. It's amazing. Former President Jimmy Carter spoke at Southern Methodist University and related an incident that occurred after he left the White House. A woman reporter came to Plains, Georgia to to interview his mother. And uh, about about uh, Jimmy and his family, his mother really didn't want to be interviewed, but she was gracious. So when the reporter knocked at the door, Mrs. Carter invited her in, and the reporter asked some hard questions and actually was kind of aggressive and rude. I want to ask you a question. She said, "Your son ran for the presidency on the premise that he would always tell the truth. Has he ever lied?" Mrs. Carter responded, I think he's truthful. I think you can depend on his word. The reporter again asked if he'd ever lied his entire life. And the mother said, well, I guess he's maybe told a little white lie. Ah, there you see, the reporter claims, he's lied. If if he told a white lie, then he has lied. Well, the reporter was still not satisfied. And she asked him, so what is the white lie? And to that, Lillian Carter said, It's like the moment ago when you knocked on the door, and I went to the door and I said, I was glad to see you. (laughs) All those years later, she's still protecting her son, right? (laughs) Moms do that. Notice that this mother in our story let her young son go out to the field with his dad. She was trying to let him grow up. But there's always a risk, Mom, when you turn them loose. That first day they go to school, and you get to leave them. And they get to leave you. Some of them don't do it very well. Some of them don't leave very well. Some of them cry real real hard and then sometimes you cry real hard when you turn around and walk away. I even see dads now crying when they let when their kids go to school for the first time. You're blessed if I guess if you're homeschooled, you don't have to send them anywhere. What's that? But I want you to look at the con- the contrast between the devotion of this mother and the devotion of the father. In the end, it's real obvious where the devotion of the dad was set. Child is near death, and dad doesn't even pick him up. 
Dads, wake up before it's too late. Wake up before it's too late. Spend time with your children. Embrace them. Dr. Fred Craddock is one of the great preachers of our time and he was telling a story about his vacationing with his wife one summer in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. One night they found themselves in a quiet restaurant where they looked forward to a private meal and while they were waiting for the food they noticed this distinguished looking white haired man moving from table to table visiting with the guests that were in the restaurant and Craddock leaned over and whispered to his wife, I hope he doesn't come over here. He didn't want anyone intruding on this private moment. Ah, but sure enough, the man did come over to the table. Hey, where are you folks from? He said with a friendly voice, Oklahoma, Fred Craddock said. Splendid state out here, although I've never been there. What do you do for a living? I teach homiletics at the Graduate Seminary of Phillips University. Oh, so you teach preachers how to preach. Well, i got a story to tell you. And with that, the gentleman pulls up a chair, sits down at the table, and Dr. Craddock groaned and inwardly and thought to himself, Oh, no, here comes another preacher story. Everybody's got at least one. The man stuck out his hand. He said, I'm Ben Hooper. I was born not far from here across the mountains. My mother wasn't married when I was born so I had a pretty hard time and when I started school my classmates had a name for me it wasn't a very nice name I used to go off by myself at recess at lunchtime because the things that they said to me cut me so deep what was worse was going to town on Saturday afternoons and feeling like every eye was burning a hole through me wondering just who my father was when I was about 12 years old a new preacher came to our church and I would always go in late and slip out early, but one day the preacher said the benediction so fast I got caught. And to walk out with the crowd, I could feel every eye in the church on me. Just about the time I got to the door, I felt a big hand on my shoulder. I looked up and the preacher was looking at me. Who are you, son? Whose boy are you? He asked. I felt like a big weight coming down on me. It was like a big black cloud hovering over me, and even the preacher was putting me down. But as he looked down at me, studying my face, he began to smile, a big smile of recognition. He said, well, no, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I recognize you. I know who you are. I see this family resemblance now. You're a child of God. And with that, he slapped me on the rump. He said, boy, you've got a great inheritance. Go claim it. Go claim it. And the old man looked across the table at Fred Craddock, and he said, those were the most important words anybody ever said to me, and I've never forgotten them. And with a big smile, he shook Fred's hand and his wife's hand and moved on to another table to greet some more people. And as he walked away, Fred Craddock a native Tennessean himself, remembered from his studies of Tennessee history that on two occasions the people of Tennessee had elected to the office of governor men who had been born out of wedlock, and one of them was named Ben Hooper. Governor Hooper was able to find himself despite a father who had abandoned him. 
Thank God he had a mother who was devoted to him. It's a pretty tall order. Teaching children their heritage. Teaching them to love the God in Christ and helping them to grow in that knowledge. It's as only Bombeck said, a 20-year job is sometimes longer than that, but keep telling them about the love of God in Christ, moms. That's your number one devotion. Mom, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? And greater, is it well with your child? Father, I ask you this morning, is there a mom here that just just needs to respond to you in some way. She may need to just cry. I don't know what she needs to do, but you do. So God, I'm asking this morning if there's one in our midst that needs to make a decision today, would they? They may just need to come up to the cross and just begin to pray, and others who love them and care about them will go up and pray with them. God, I don't know what we need. I don't know what the needs are in each heart but you do but I do know this you've got our church here for a purpose and so while we're here may we be proclaimers of the love of your son Jesus Christ to everybody who walks in that door and may we be the church that cares and Father most of all may we be a church full of mothers that love their children demonstrate it Show it. And Father, are blessed by it. But if there's one here today, would they respond in Jesus' name? Amen.